It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Well, good morning. Uh, excited for a new week. Monday morning, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, you get this anticipation. I know some of you are like, Monday mornings stink. You know, Monday mornings are great, especially at Ellerslie, because that means you got a whole week full of excitement, uh, depth, uh, insight. The amount of life change that can happen in one day, let alone one week, is just tremendous. And so let's go after that today. Let's start with prayer. Father, this is unto you for your glory, honor, and praise. I pray that you would teach us, instruct us in the way of righteousness that we would learn how to navigate, to boldly press forward in the narrow way of the cross. Lord, this morning I ask that you would instruct our souls in prayer, that you would give us insight, that you would give us understanding, that we would be able to grip uh, spiritual truths and spiritual realities. Lord, we love you. We submit to you with great expectation. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. So, how this week is going to unfold, we're still, Nathan and I are still trying to navigate through it, because usually Nathan and I are going to go back and forth in the Daily Thunders. Uh, for those of you that are streaming or are used to the podcast, uh, I usually on Mondays I'm going through something called the Glossary of the Gospel, and we're going to put that on hold for the next five weeks, and then we'll uh, either uh, conclude it and start a new series, but over the summer I'm going to be going through a specific series in all of my times, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, I forgot what my name is for it, but I'll, I'll debut that probably next week is what my guess is. It's something like the muscular Christian, something cool like that that gets all the guys in here going, yeah, and all the girls like, this is a little awkward. Uh, so, uh, but it's gonna be uh, powerful stuff. This week, we are wanting to focus on a specific series of prayer. What we'll typically do and what we have done uh, is uh, throughout every semester is we'll lay a foundation of prayer and then we begin to exercise it because what we want to work on is corporate praying. I want you to learn individual praying, yes, and at the same time we want to practice together praying as the body of Christ. And unfortunately, it's just sort of a strange thing, but it's a rare skill set that oftentimes we're around people that pray and so we sort of learn by listening and watching and we don't always get taught how to pray. Now there's some great books throughout history on prayer, like my favorite author is E.M. Bounds. If you ever really wanna study prayer in a way that will just transform your life, E.M. Bounds is the single greatest source for it as far as I'm concerned. Leonard Ravenhill's book on why revival tarries is just a classic, and those are just books that move you to the prayer closet. They just do. They move you. They lift you out. And that's, that's what we oftentimes need. Of course, uh, Wrestling Prayer by Eric and Leslie Ludi is a classic, uh, too, so I don't want you to for, forget that one. Uh, but this is a deep subject for us as a staff. We, for us, prayer is the essence of what we're doing. In other words, yes, we teach, but if we are teaching without a prayer base, we know that the battle is too fierce, that the hearts and minds of individuals cannot grip and grasp. There is something about prayer that fosters the work of grace. In other words, if you're seeing a movement of God, it's because someone's praying. Now, why is someone praying? Because of a movement of God. In other words, God's the initiator, but he moves us to pray, and then prayer moves 
God to act. It's an interesting thing. Even though he's the sponsor of it all, he still moves us to pray. And so what we want to be is ready to be moved to prayer. And when we are praying, watch out world. This is when the, the culture changes. This is when hearts are awakened. This is when fruit ripens and you're able to pluck it from the tree. Souls are brought into the kingdom. So this is important stuff. The Rope and the Shovel, a study in participatory prayer. So this could be individual uh, prayer, prayer in your own prayer closet. All of these uh, truths are the same. However, I want us to learn how to pray together. And so that's why I'm calling it participatory prayer. Participatory prayer means every one of us participates. If, you know, in a human body, it's not just, you know, like the right ear that does all the work, and then the rest of the body just sort of goes along for the ride. Every aspect and function and member of the body needs to be doing what they're doing, otherwise the body begins to atrophy, atrophy and fall apart. And so the same is true with the body of Christ. Each one is given, us gr given grace by the Holy Spirit to do work uh, in the body. And so that's what I want us to learn together. I want us to learn how to function together in prayer. The rope and the shovel. So let's start out with what is prayer? That's a good question. If, to answer that, I'm going to start with what it is not, because maybe that will help clarify more than anything. So there's three options uh, that many of us, not, not that we actually think it is this, but I just want to clear the air and get it off the table, okay? It's not contemplative, I'm sorry, it's a hard word, contemplative mindlessness. There's a whole movement called contemplative prayer uh, in the Christian community today, and it's basically a repackaging of New Age mindlessness, okay? This is not transcendental meditation, which is uh, a New Age thing, is like you, you go brain dead, basically, and you just sort of go into a zoned out state, and what you're doing is you're basically making yourself available for any demon to come in and work his wonders in you. It's an idiot's sort of prayer. Christian prayer is exactly opposite. It is an engagement of all the faculties, but focused on Jesus Christ, the truth of the word of God. When we meditate, we don't go brainless. We focus on the scriptures. We meditate upon something. We have a focus. And so as a result, this is very different. When we're in prayer, it's not contemplative mindlessness, okay? And if you just didn't pick up on it, I... I'm not a fan of contemplative prayer, okay? So just in case you're wondering my position on that, you just got it. It's not spiritual therapy. In other words, oh, a prayer a day keeps the sin away, okay? Where it's sort of like the apple a day principle where it's like, okay, I need to get my prayer in lest I fall to pieces spiritually. Well, there's a part truth in it, but that's actually not how it works. It's not that you just do it dutifully like popping a vitamin. Uh, so it's like, okay, I need to get my prayer in so I stay healthy, and, you know, there's a truth, and that is if you are praying, you will be healthy. So it's not that it's false, it's just that it's the wrong mentality to approach it with. It's not a vitamin. This is literally the exercise of our soul. This is what we do because we love Jesus Christ. And when we do it, the world is changed. There's a great, we're frying bigger fish than just trying to stay healthy. It's not merely dinnertime gratitude. So many of us, our prayer time is, you know, fold your hands. You bow your head and you say, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for the chef that prepared it. May you bless that chef. And I pray that uh, our conversation at this table would be a good one. Amen. 
Okay, now praise God for that prayer. There's nothing wrong with gratitude, and that's what it is. It's a, that's a form of gratitude. That's a prayer of thanksgiving, if you will, and it's a form of prayer, but prayer is a lot bigger than that, guys. Okay, so that's, and I'm not even going to eliminate that off the table in the sense that, oh, that's not prayer. Well, yes, it is, but it's almost like a, a form of gratefulness. You are exercising gratefulness before you eat to say, I know where this came from, and I just want to show honor where honor is due. But prayer is so far beyond that. Now let's look at what prayer is. That's, uh, now let's look at what is prayer. That's a weird statement. So don't read it the way it is there. Let's look at what prayer is. No, and there's a question mark at the end of that. How, did, how does that work? Now let's look at what is prayer. <laughs> that's, that doesn't even make sense. So don't look at what's on the screen, guys. Just listen to what I'm saying. Now let's look at what prayer is. No question mark. That is, a, that is a weird slide. Sandy didn't edit any of these, so she's like, yep, if you'd sent it to me, Eric, it wouldn't have said that. So you remember the, the classic sample prayer? Uh, you have, it's called the Lord's Prayer, typically. There's a line in it that is of extreme importance for what we're going to talk about today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. You see, there is something that has been established in heaven. And when we pray, we are taking that which is in heaven and bringing it to this earth. This is the operation of prayer. Now, it's interesting, but on the cross, Jesus said something. He said, it is finished. And many of us have had a tough time with that statement because we look around at this dying world that is marred by sin, and it doesn't look finished. So, Jesus, no offense, but for whatever reason, your definition of finished and ours is very different. In other words, if in our mind, if it's finished, the kingdom has come, his feet have stood upon the Mount of Olives, it's divided in two, he has took, taken his seat on the throne, every knee is bowed, every tongue is confessed that he is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Yeah, now that's finished. But he said on that cross, it is finished. Is he a liar? No, he's telling the truth. It's finished, now listen closely. It's finished in heaven. That which was needed to be accomplished was accomplished in heaven. Now, we need to bring all that Christ did on the cross to this earth. The reality, the ultimate fulfillment is Christ coming in the clouds. The ultimate fulfillment is, Lord Jesus, come! Come and return! That's the ultimate fulfillment of all that he has done. But, he has done it. But, it's in another realm the purchase of the cross, the accomplishment of the cross is there. It is done. It is true. It is real. Now, he entrusts us in this season of faith where we can't see it. We weren't there at the cross. We can't necessarily take a tour through heaven and see the treasure chest of what Christ has purchased. But he says, I've given you my word and I've given you my exceeding great and precious promises. Do you believe them? So yes, I do. He said, then ask, go after them. So this is, I'm gonna call it, remember I just called the rope and the shovel? The first one is the idea of the rope. Okay, so imagine that you have a rope and it has like a grappling hook on the end of it, sort of one of those claw-like things, right? So you have this long rope and God gives you an understanding. You know, faith is a supernatural work of grace. You can't see what's up there without God giving you eyesight for it. 
And yet many of you know, just as even I'm saying it, yet it is finished. You believe it. And you believe that everything that is necessary for your life to function down here and for all the world to be changed, altered, transformed, renewed, everything has been accomplished. So, who has the boldness and the audacity to go after it and to grab a hold of it and bring it down to this earth? So I hand you a rope and a grappling hook. I say, pray. See, what prayer is, is essentially this. You have your rope and you start swinging that grappling hook and then you loft it up into the heavenly realms to that one promise that you know God has laid on your heart. He has revealed to you in and through his word. And you grab a hold of it. Now what do you do? You pull. Prayer is pulling. Prayer is hard labor. If any of you have labored in prayer, you know that it is difficult work. Pull. 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 How many times do you pull? Three? Since I said pull three times, maybe that's the guess. Four? Five? What if it's not doesn't seem to be dislodging? Do you give up? You pull and you pull and you pull. And you pull and you pull and you pull and you pull. And you pull 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 and you pull. And you pull. And you pull and you pull and you pull and you pull and you pull. It sounds starts to sound funny in my mind as I say it. When do you stop? Is there a point in which you actually stop pulling? Sure. When it comes to this earth. You see, when that promise is realized here, sure. Now you grab your rope, you throw it up again, and grab another one. In other words, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to this earth. You're bringing the realities of that cross into these lives, these bodies, these circumstances to the history of individuals and the history of nations. The church of Jesus Christ, we are the ones assigned the job of faith. This throwing is faith. Prayer is the action of faith. There's a lot of actions to faith, but prayer is one of the critical ones. It's one of the fundamental foundational ones. Do you believe? Yes. Then pray. Pray that what Christ has accomplished would be brought to this earth. Gets you excited. Now you're thinking, I want to throw some grappling hooks up there. However, what shocks many of us is that these things don't come down easily. In other words, it's like, God, why would there be any resistance? So you don't understand the spiritual battle. You don't recognize that this is an issue of life and death. And the devil is hell bent to stop the realities of that work on the cross from being visible down here. So his goal is to discourage you. His goal is to hinder. His goal is to disrupt and to get you to let go of that rope and to say, I tried praying. I tried praying. You know how many people have said that? There's entire support groups uh, at churches, you know, for the people that have yanked on that rope two or three times. So they all get together and commiserate together. It's like, well, tell me your story. I pulled. I pulled three times. Nothing, nothing happened. And it's like, oh, come here, come here, come here. I want to say, break it up, guys. What are you doing? Crying. Don't you know how God has taught us to pray? He has taught us to be persistent in prayer. To not relent in prayer. To keep pressing in our faith. Our job is to be believers, not to be rope letter goers of. That was a funny, that was a new word I just invented. It's about as good as my slide that I gave. So what prayer is, the importunate neighbor. So Jesus teaches on prayer. He really does. And he gives this illustration 
of this man who has someone come visit and he doesn't have any bread. He knows his neighbor has bread. So he goes to his neighbor's house in the middle of the night, mind you, and this neighbor is in bed with his family. That's a little strange. I understand that. I'm not exactly sure how the Jewish culture works if they just have one bed and then everyone piles in. But it was a little strange. And uh, so he's in bed with his family, right? And so this guy just starts kink, 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 kink on the door. It's the middle of the night. And so the guy's like, eh, you know, go away. Kink, 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 kink. King, 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 king. You know how irritating that would be. King, 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 king. You guys starting to get the idea. King, 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 king. And the guy's like, go away. I'm in bed with my family. King, 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 king. Finally, because that man is so persistent, the guy who's in bed with his family, sounds like it's probably with a huff, gets up and comes to the door and gives that man precisely what he asked for. And Jesus said, did you see that? I just gave you a story. That's the way I want you to pray. Now, doesn't that sound rude? I mean, my first instinct, being American, is you don't do that, okay? That, that is so, my parents taught me better than that, than to be rude and discourteous to my neighbor. Who's the neighbor in this case? It's him. It's God Almighty. And he's saying, what that man did is what I want you to do to me. And if it appears that I have not come to the door, if it appears that I have not yet given you that bread, keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking. Even a human will get up and give you the bread. How much more so your God in heaven? And he's actually inviting us to do something that at first blush looks rude. He's saying, don't relent. So how many times do you yank on that rope? You yank, and 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 you yank, until that which is in heaven comes to this earth. So that's the importunate neighbor. And then we also have the picture of the persistent widow. Now, ironically, both of these stories really can bother us as individuals. You know, if some lady was coming in every day and then sort of yanking on your shirt sleeve saying, okay, you're going to do it for me? Okay, you're going to give me justice? Okay, you're going to do this for me? It's like, will you shut up? Will you leave me alone? Jesus uses this. It's a widow with the unjust judge. And he says, do you see that even the unjust judge will give to this widow what she asks if she is persistent? And God says, that's the way I want you to pray. I mean, for all of us, we're like, you've got to be kidding, God. You can't just, I mean, it sounds presumptive, doesn't it? It's like, I don't want to presume upon God. And yet this is the very illustrations that God himself gives us. He says, you see that widow right there? You mean the one that's irritating? Uh-huh, her. That's the way I want you to pray. You see this guy that comes over in the middle of the night and starts knocking? Uh-huh, you see that guy? Yeah, the rude one? Yeah, like that. I want you to pray like that. Okay, so rule number one in this grand journey, don't give up. Don't relent. You see, some of you have been burdened with a prayer. It's burdened with something God has put on your heart. Maybe it's the soul of an unbeliever. Maybe it's a relational conflict in your life. Maybe it's lack of finances. Maybe it's a health issue. I don't know, it could take on many forms. But it's a burden. And you actually sense that God wants to do something about it. In fact, there might have even been a moment in your life where you were certain God was going to do something. And so you begin to pull on that rope. And then you pulled on the rope. And then you pulled on the rope. And then the voice of the devil came in and was like, are you sure? 
that God wants to do that. I mean, you pulled three times. I mean, come on. I mean, if God really wanted to do it, uh, don't you think he would have done it by now? And what happens is we begin to loosen our grip. We lessen our position of faith. And oftentimes we forsake the pulling. Okay, now I just incriminated probably every single one of us in here for something in our life. I've done it many times, okay? The very guy teaching you understands how easy it is to let go. I mean, and I have fought for things for years and still let go. I have. And then God has reminded me, and I'm, I find the, the rope just sort of hanging there, dangling. And he's like, what about that rope? Okay, God, I know what I teach. <laughs> Grip it again. You see, it, it can be hard. And I've, I've prayed for things for years, 17 years for this campus. 17. Okay? So I understand what it means to persist in prayer. This is my life. Everything I'm describing right now is the way I've lived for decades of my life. But it doesn't make it easy. And it doesn't mean I've done it perfectly throughout. This is like a constant lesson for us because there are so many reasons we can let go. There's so many things that happen. Now imagine that I, I say to you, right beneath where you're sitting right now, there's a treasure, a treasure chest, packed full of gold and diamonds and precious jewels. And then I throw you a shovel. Now you have to use your imagination that this isn't concrete underneath this, <laughs> this carpet. Otherwise it sort of messes with our metaphor uh, because it's, you're going to probably break your shovel before you break the concrete. However, I just gave you a promise and then I throw you a shovel. What are you going to do? It's interesting, but I asked a group of kids that exact question. Every single one of them, 100% of them said they'd start digging. Isn't that funny? They all know what they would do. Do you know what you would do? You see, if God has spoken clearly and he says right here, when you ply yourself with this shovel diligently, you will in fact gain a treasure. Why wouldn't you then shovel? Why wouldn't you? And so what do we do? We start shoveling. One shovel full. And we look in our hole. I don't see anything. Should we give up? So then some of us are, you know, audacious enough to shovel twice. <laughs> like two shovelfuls. We look in our hole. I don't, I don't see anything. You see, every one of you in here in this illustration knows, especially after my rope illustration right before, you're like, okay, I know where you're going with this. However, I want you to test your soul of if you're ready to go in that direction. Because we're learning about prayer right now. We're learning about how God has constructed the kingdom of heaven and how he desires faith to go after it. So he throws us a shovel. He gives us a promise. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to go after it, okay? Prove it. Start shoveling. So three times you've labored. You've gone after this. What if you don't see it? Do you give up? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of support groups and churches that get together, and then the two to three, maybe four, there's always the rare five shovelful Christians that are there, and they're hugging each other. And they're crying on each other's shoulders because God didn't come through. Did, is it true that God didn't come through, or is it more true that they gave up the shoveling? You follow me? God has asked us to be persistent. Remember the story of Daniel? He's in Babylon, and he's praying. And we get this rare insight into the heavenly realms and what happens in prayer. I, it's a strange story, I have to admit, and I, I can't just give you a specific application to you personally. All I can say is, okay, God gives us that insight. It took 21 days for the answer 
to be able to come. It was like an angelic messenger was sent to Daniel, but he was hindered for three weeks by the enemy, by the powers of darkness. And then finally, the uh, archangel Michael comes through and busts it loose, and the messenger gets to Daniel. It's like, okay, that's a strange story, a little Narnian there. It's like, what is that? And yet, what we need to recognize is just because we don't understand what is taking place in this other realm, we need to be ready to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And that's not just three weeks. That's until the answer comes. You know, the, the Spirit of God has been praying a prayer for 2,000 years that has not yet been answered. The Holy Spirit has been praying for 2,000 years and the prayer hasn't been answered. That's a long time, guys. A little longer than any of your little trials that you've gone through. It says the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's the Holy Spirit praying. In other words, he's praying in agreement with the will of God and yet... The issue is he must continue. He must continue to press. The body of Christ hands this torch off to the next generation. says, pray, pray. And one day we will see it bust loose. And we will see the Lord Jesus come again. It will happen. I guarantee it. I have so much confidence in the word of God. So much confidence in his promises. If he says he will come, he will come. If he says there's treasure beneath your feet, dig for it. You will find it. I have so many stories in my life of digging and digging and digging where it's like you keep getting lower and then suddenly your head's gone and people are like, what happened to Eric? And they come look over and there he's like, and they get intimidated by it. It's like, what are you doing? Like I'm digging? Like I, I don't think you should keep digging like that. Uh, I don't know that God wants you to do that. It's weird. People feel uncomfortable when they see someone digging like that and unrelenting. So when it came to my love story, with Leslie, you know how many people had a tough time? I don't know if any of you have ever heard my love story with Leslie. It is the single greatest love story ever. Any, anyone <laughs> anyone want to argue? Look at Elijah back there. He's like flickering a little, a little twitch after I said that. Oh, it's a great love story. It really is. And yet, when I was going through it, I had no precedent. The only thing I had was like Elizabeth and Jim Elliot. I'm like, yeah, I know that they did it. And I was digging and digging. I said, I trust my God. And I had people that were concerned for me. They were very concerned because I wasn't out pursuing the opposite sex. And I was trusting God. I mean, the story's a great one, right? So I'm digging. This, you know, dirt's flying out. And then one day, kink. I found it! Found it! Found it! <laughs> and you know that what people would say? This is very interesting. They said, oh, well, you must be one of the few in this generation that could ever have something like that happen. Like, no, I'm... I think everyone would find it if they just dug, if they would persist. So I have a whole bunch of stories like this. I have found treasure when I've persisted. Sometimes it's been for years and years and years. And yet, the guy standing in front of you knows the power of persistent prayer. I do. And I also know how difficult it is. But I want to invite you into the labor of the saints of God throughout the ages. I remember uh, Leslie was in the, uh, what was it, Sam's Club? Sam's Club parking lot. And she was uh, a little Hudson at the time. Let's see, you would have been like one, maybe. So this is, you know, it's a while ago. And it was a hot day. You are know, like maybe 100 plus degrees. And she had her keys and her uh, wallet and her, or her phone, her purse, on the front seat. And she like turned around, did one of these types of things, and kunk, closed the door and it was locked. 
and little Hudson's in the back seat. Remember, it's over 100 degrees. And her phone is in there, and her purse is in there. Imagine just one of those moments as a, as a mother. I mean, I've never been a mother, but I could just imagine, okay? It's like, oh, no. And you know, what do I do? To make a phone call, she'd have to run into Sam's Club, but she doesn't have any money, right? So uh, she's going to have to beg a phone from the staff, right? But she'd have to leave her one-year-old in the car in order to do it. Uh, so imagine what this is like. So she like, wait, Hudson's like, waving. <laughs> and then so she runs, sprints into Sam's Club, gets someone to give her a phone. So I get this call, and I'm in the middle of doing some project, and uh, she just immediately comes in and says, I need you to come. I'm at Sam's Club. I've locked the keys in the car. Hudson's stuck in the car. It's very hot out. Could you come as quickly as possible? I said, yes. And then she hung up. She, had, she sprinted out to Hudson again. Now, what's interesting is Leslie forgot that I think my car was in the shop. I didn't have a car. And I had to find the extra keys for her car. So I had to figure out how to get there. So not only did I have to find the extra keys for her car, which was a project, right? But then I had to call up someone and have them swing by and drop off their car. I don't remember how it worked. I, I figured it out somehow. And so this is taking, oh, I'm, I haven't even left the house yet, and it's like 15 minutes, okay? And she's 15 minutes away. So this is going to be a half hour of Leslie needing to trust that when she made her request to her groom, that her groom is going into action. And yet she's not seeing any evidence in the natural realm. Every time a car comes around the corner, it's not me. And yet it's another car that's going around the corner. Yet what am I doing? Am I twiddling my thumbs going, yeah, let's just let her wait it out. I don't care if my son's in 100-degree temperatures locked in the car. That makes no difference to me. You see, I'm an earthly father, and yet I still would respond instantly and do whatever it took to get there as quickly as I possibly could. How much more so your heavenly father? We don't always know what's going on behind the scenes, but one thing we do know, according to Scripture, is our God is not delaying one extra moment. Our God is doing whatever it takes to get to us. Now, could you imagine, I'm coming in, it's been about 27 minutes, I'm going to be there in three minutes, and Leslie can't wait anymore. I mean, you could imagine what it'd be like for the mom, right? It's hot, she sees her son in there, he's no longer smiling and waving, now he's starting to cry. And now a guy who's just come into, this didn't happen, by the way, but could you imagine a guy that just came into Sam's Club comes out with a baseball bat, and she goes, sir, could you help me? In other words, she aborts the original plan of her husband coming, and rescuing. And instead, she turns to an alternate solution and has this guy come over and bash in the front windshield, climb in, get Hudson out. And then I come in, turn into the parking lot. Remember, this didn't happen. I come into the parking lot, and there's the front windshield bashed in, and she's holding Hudson. How would I feel? Like I wasn't trusted. Okay? Do you not know that the moment you called me, I went into action. I have not delayed one moment. In fact, I scraped my knee. I fell over, hit my head. I have done whatever it took to get here because I love you. You asked, I answered. See, this is the way the kingdom of heaven works. You cannot stop having faith. You cannot let go of the rope. You cannot stop digging. You must continue, and that's how we show love to our God. So the rope pull, the shovel scoop. The recipe for the impossible for God not to answer prayer. I'm going to give it to you right in the very beginning of the semester. There's a recipe that when you put these elements together, 
God will answer the prayer. It's guaranteed. This is impossible for God not to answer. First one, praying God prayers instead of man prayers. Okay, now I'll go through these things scripturally this week, you know, in, in, in greater depth, but the word of God teaches us that he will say yes when? When we are in agreement with him. When we are asking what is on his heart. You know there's prayers that we have? Like I could have a prayer for a million dollars. This is a great prayer, right? I could do a lot with a million dollars, and then I could even spiritualize it. I'll tithe 10%, God, and then I will, you know, maybe donate a little to Ellerslie, and then, you know, I could, I could make it sound so spiritual in what I would do with that million dollars, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a God prayer. Does that make sense? Was I praying from a humble position of dependence saying, God, what you want is what I want to pray? What you desire in my life and in the lives of those around you, that's what I want to pray. So God, give me your burdens. And maybe he wants me to ask for a million dollars. Sandy's probably thinking that right now. He's like, could you ask for a million dollars for Ellison? Because we could use it. And so it could be a God prayer, but you know what I mean. If I'm asking for a Ferrari and I'm asking, you know, for all these things that would make me look, I want to be a famous Hollywood actor, God. I want to be the most famous person in the world where everyone looks at me and they scream, you know, I may be a little off in my praying. God does answer prayer, but he answers God-born prayers. He answers prayers that are in alignment with his nature. So you start praying God prayers, they will be answered. Praying in faith. You see, faith is an essential ingredient to a, a prayer that God will answer. If you don't have faith, God says, you, you shouldn't even expect that God will answer. Now, God is a gracious God, and there's times it's called the, you know, the bar uh, prayer where you're drunk and you're like, God, if you're real, hiccup, uh, then, you know, knock me over the head with a, a baseball bat and someone comes in and knocks you over the head and it's like, oh, there you are, God. Uh, and so God can be gracious and he can, he can speak to us. He has a good sense of humor too, but there's no legal mandate for it. If you want to hold God to his word, then you pray in faith and confidence. I'm going to teach you what faith is today so that will make a lot more sense as we progress. If you have faith, then you have God's attention. You have access into the throne of grace. That's how you access everything. Praying with perseverance. You see, you need all of these. You don't just need one on the list. You need the whole kit and caboodle. Praying with perseverance. So the term in Scripture, there's different phrases throughout history, but persistence is one of them. Perseverance is another. And importunity. It all means the same thing. Not stopping. Not relenting. Keep pulling. Keep pulling. Keep digging. Keep digging. Whatever metaphor works better for you, that's what we do. And then finally, praying in purity. So if there is a known violation in our soul, in other words, God's convicting us, he's saying, yeah, that, that's not the way we live. Yeah, we need to make that right. And you ignore it, it actually hinders your praying. It violates the very intimacy that you have with God. It's like having a kink in a hose. If you have a kink in the hose and you're trying to water the plants, what's happening? You're not getting anything out. It's the same thing that is true with the flow of prayer. That if you have a kink in your hose, what should you do first? Go and deal with the kink, then water the plants. And the same is true for us. So if you have all four of these things in alignment and working, you have a strong prayer life, guys. So this is the setup for success. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. 
Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.